Chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Let's call this meeting of the City of Sacramento Planning and Design Commission to order. Today's Thursday, July 27th, 2023. The time is 5.31 p.m. Clerk, will you please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zhang? Here. Commissioner Chase? Here. Commissioner Lamas? Here. Commissioner Buckley? Here. Commissioner Caden? Here. Commissioner Masias-Reed? Here. Commissioner Young is currently absent. Commissioner Boyd? is currently absent. Uh, Commissioner Andrade? Here. Commissioner Thompson? Here. Vice Chair Wallace? Here. And Chair Hernandez? Here. Thank you, we have quorum. Thank you very much. Uh, as a reminder for members of the public uh, who are in the chambers here that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the, the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you've joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when we open the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click on raise hand at the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in by telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute and mute yourself, dial star six. Speakers will be called upon using the last four digits of your phone number. You will have three minutes to make your comments. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We can now move on to the land acknowledgement. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Petwinwintu peoples, and the people of Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, we have two new commissioners joining us today. I would like for everyone to give them a warm welcome. We have Commissioner Ginger Thompson and Commissioner Julian Andrade. Welcome to your first Planning and Design Commission meeting. Um, during commissioner comments, uh, we'll give you all a chance to introduce yourselves further. Um, we'll first move on to the director's report. Stacia, do we have anything for the director's report? Yes, thank you, Chair, I do. Um, our last Planning and Design Commission meeting was on June 22nd, and since that time, we've had two projects approved by City Council that were originally heard by the Planning and Design Commission. One was the GRACE project, which was a 32-unit project at 15th and G Street. It was approved by City Council on June 27th. And then uh, just this past week on Tuesday, the City Council approved the Robla Estates project. Uh, which is 177 units at Rio Linda and Marysville Boulevard in North Sacramento. And that concludes my director's report. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, this item is received and filed. No vote is required, so we'll move on to the next item, which is the consent calendar. Um, this includes the draft meeting minutes from our June 22nd meeting. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you. Commissioners, um, is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar or any comments?
Commissioner Zhang or Commissioner Chase. Hold on one second. Let's see. Um, can does the mic work on that side? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I move approval. Thank you. We have a motion by Commissioner Chase. Vice Chair Wallace. I'll second. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Chase? Aye. Commissioner Lamas? Aye. Commissioner Buckley? Aye. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Masias Reed? Abstain as I was absent. Commissioner Young is currently absent. Commissioner Boyd is currently absent. Commissioner Andrade? Abstain as I was absent. And Commissioner Thompson? I abstain as this is my first meeting. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll next move on to the public hearing. We have item number two, J Street Market Alcohol Sales P23-011. As a reminder, refresher for our new commissioners. Um, we'll first hear a staff presentation, and then the applicant will have an opportunity to do a presentation. Then we'll move on to commissioner Q&A session, um, and then open up the public comment period where the clerk will call upon members of the public to speak. And finally, bring the discussion back to the commissioners for further debate or discussion and a vote. So we'll start off with recusals and disclosures. Commissioners, do you have any dis disclosures or recusals to report? Hearing and seeing none, uh, we have a uh, staff presentation by Sierra. Whenever you're ready, go ahead. Okay, good evening, Chair and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Sierra Peterson. I'm an as Associate Planner with the Community Development Department. Uh, the item before you tonight is P23-011 for J Street Market Alcohol Sales, located at 2531 J Street on the northwest corner of J Street and 26th Street. This application is for a conditional use permit to authorize the sale of distilled spirits in an existing retail store um, within the Central Business District um, and the Central City Special Planning District. The existing business is authorized to sell beer and wine through an existing um, alcohol and beverage control license, and the applicant is requesting authorization to add the sale of distilled spirits. The new alcohol display will be located behind the point of sale counter and accessible only by employees. This project was noticed to all residents, property owners, and neighborhood associations within 500 feet of the subject site. And the site was posted with a public hearing notice as well. Staff received two public comments, uh, one in support of the project and one in opposition. Both those letters are included in your staff report. Uh, concerns were raised regarding loitering and garbage outside the store and covering the windows. The police department has reviewed this application and provided conditions of approval addressing loitering, garbage, and window coverage with conditions 11, 12, and 13. In addition, the property is located within the boundaries of the Midtown Association Clean and Safe Services in the Central City. Staff recommends that the Planning and Design Commission approve the entitlements. Uh, this concludes my presentation and I'm available for any questions you may have. Uh, I also wanna note there was an e-comment that was received um, after the staff report was uh, published. Um, the applicant is also in attendance tonight and will be making a brief introduction and presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Will the applicant please come forward? Hi, welcome. Thank you. 
Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming and taking the time out of your day here and giving us a moment of your time to explain what we're applying for. My name is Roma, and this is my husband, Preet. We own a local market here in town called J Street Market. We're located at 2531 J Street. We are a family-owned establishment, and we are seeking to upgrade our existing Type 20 beer and wine license to a Type 21 spirits license. So, um, like I said, we are a family-owned establishment. We have another location, which you might have heard of. It's called Pacific Market. It's the bright yellow and blue building located on 2500 P Street. We've been in the city doing business for the last, sorry, the last 18 years, and we are well known in the community for what we bring to our neighborhood. We have been in the Sacramento Bee a few times for being ranked the best corner market in downtown Sacramento. We're known for our high-end craft beer. We have also been on the local news channels for bringing in rare and sought-after craft beers while also being recognized as one of the one-stop shop for all your grocery store needs. We are building a reputation in the city to take care of our customers and neighbors and to respect everyone around us. We hope with our new establishment on J Street. We want our customers to be able to shop for all their favorite items. And on top of having rare special craft beers, we also want to bring in special and rare spirits. If you guys will give us a chance to bring our 18 years of experience to our new location and show you what a family business can do when it's done the right way. Some examples of the high-end spirits that we'll be carrying, for example, um, wild turkey, rare bourbon, Kentucky rye whiskey, that's a price point anywhere from 80 to $90. Um, some of them is, one is called Four Roses Small Batch, that's a 2022 release, and that's usually rated from anywhere $400 to $500. Um, another one is Del Moore, it's a single malt scotch whiskey, that's anywhere aged from 12 to 18 years. That ranges from 90 to $300 a bottle. So our whole goal is to do high-end um, spirits. We're not in the market to do anything low tier of that sort because already at our existing location, yes, we don't have spirits, but we do have beer and wine. But our high end selection of beer and wine is, like I said, it's high end. So we we have a reputation we built over almost 20 years. The last thing we want to do is jeopardize that and ruin the neighborhood that we are in now with our new location and jeopardize in any way possible. So we want to make a good, good establishment there as well. So. Um, <clears throat> Another thing we wanted to keep, the, um, the spirits will be behind the counter. That's their number one condition that we wanted to um, bring it forward to everybody. Um, having spirits behind the counter, eight feet of space, we don't need an entire aisle. We are looking for a small section in the store. At the end of the day, we are a grocery store, and our main focus is everything, so a one-stop shop. We, are, um, we only need eight feet. We're not doing the whole aisle. Um, Another thing is our staff members um, will be having a key to the locked box where the uh, spirits will be behind the counter. It will be locked at all times. Um, whether the store is open, whether it's closed, um, it will be locked. So that way it's safe for customers and our neighbors as well. Um, steps also that we'll be taking is that we have a software at um, this location as well that's checks ID verification. Um, making it straight, see if it's um, if it's a fake ID, if it's a real ID, all that, just to see if it's um, so no one brings in fake IDs. Um, also, staff undergoes a class every month for ID verification. 
um, that basically the customer cannot be intoxicated. They have to be over 21, and we take that very seriously. Um, and the rules and regulations are applied at all times. Um, staff is randomly quizzed as well, um, knowing the rules and what are do's and what are the don'ts. Um, as, as it goes for the loitering, we are very, very serious about that. We want to keep a cleanliness store um, at all times. Um, there is, as the homeless issue, everybody already knows, we can't do it 24-7, but we do every time we get, we see somebody that's there, we tell them, hey, you, got, you have to go, you can't stand out here. We don't allow that. We want our customers to feel safe when they come in. This is a family store, so you know we have kids coming in, they have to be safe at all times. So that's one of the big things that we all doing, and if there is trash outside, our team and myself is always out there picking trash because we want to keep it clean at all times. Um, yes, it is a challenge at times, but we do our be very best that we can do. Um, do you want to add something? As well? yeah. And then let's see here. Um, we also have um, our staff that's going about every hour to two hours going around the store outside making sure, you know, there's no, you know, forms of trash. We're picking it up, you know. At the, at the end of the day, we want, you know, downtown to look good, clean. We have families that are coming. We have children that are coming in, and we don't want that type of reputation. We also have a gardener that comes on a weekly basis as well, just to trim anything, um, clean up, spray, all that good stuff. If you've ever been inside the store, um, you can probably say it's one of the most cleanest stores that you'll ever see in downtown. We take a lot of pride in making sure that we have fresh, clean products, no expired items. I mean, it's tip top. So definitely, if you haven't checked, it, checked us out, definitely swing by. Um, and lastly, we are applying for 750 ml or larger in size of spirits, so no small sizes, no shooters, no shots, no pints, no half pints. We don't want to bring in that clientele that, that would want to purchase those smaller items. We want high-end and something that, you know, someone's coming in a day after work, you know, and they want to grab some cheese, a good bottle of wine, some chips, and a nice bottle of spirit, you know, that we all like to enjoy once in a while. And I think that concludes our little presentation. Oh, and lastly on this page, this is my husband, Manpre. Um, he was um, published in the Sacramento Bee. And let's see here. So as you can see, the store has been around since the 1930s. And we've been, um, we've had it for the last 18 years, and we've been known as one of the best corner stores in Midtown Sacramento. So we take a lot of pride in that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your presentation. Uh, we're going to take a moment to do commissioner questions. So if they have any questions for you, they'll ask you directly. Commissioners, do you have any questions for staff or the applicant? Hearing and seeing none, thank you very much. Um, we will move on to the public comment period. Um, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have one speaker slip uh, from a member of the public in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Um, our speaker this evening is Carolyn Cooley. If you could please make your way up to the podium.
Welcome. Thank you. This is my first time ever being in something like this. But um, I, uh, I heard the petition for the high-end spirits, but I still have a feeling that we don't need any more spirits of any kind in our neighborhood for the simple fact that J Street from 23rd to 27th Street has all kinds of uh, eatery places, and I know they sell. I know they sell the hard stuff because margaritas are not made with beer and wine, and they have a they have a drink called the fishbowl. Now I was walking the I was walking down the street, going to the A and P M store once, and. I saw the fishbowl and it had four different straws. They were all drinking out of it and they said that um, I could have a drink, but I quit drinking. And I said, no, thank you. And um, they said they put everything but the kitchen sink in it. So that's, a, that's kind of a strong drink, no matter which way you look at it. And we are a, a family neighborhood, but like I was saying, from 24th to 28th, we have enough people selling hard liquor. And don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for the store because I'm one of the senior citizens that lives, in, that lives in the neighborhood that goes to the store often. And I'm grateful for that. But I don't think that we need any more liquor. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments and for being here tonight. Chair, I have no more members of the public. Thank you very much. Um, the public comment period is now closed and we'll bring the discussion back to the dais. Commissioners, do you have any questions, comments? Now would also be the time to make a motion. Is it Commissioner Zhang or Commissioner Chase? Chase. Um. Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Chair. Um, I uh, am about to move approval of this item, uh, but first I'd like to say Thank you for your presentation. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts. My parents owned a small market on a small town in Massachusetts, and the quality they had sounds very much like the quality that this market <coughs> uh, is proposing. So uh, with that, it sounds like a, a, an excellent uh, addition to the neighborhood, and I, I move approval. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. We have a motion by Commissioner Chase. Next, we have Commissioner Macias-Reed. I agree with Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Chase's comments. Um, it sounds like you guys really take pride in what you do. Um, you know, glad to know that you're not, you know, you're, you're focusing on high-end spirits. I think it's, um, it's a very particular market and a very particular type of, of clientele that's gonna go in there and purchase it. Um, so yeah, I will second the motion. Thank you. We have a motion by Commissioner Chase, a second by Commissioner Messias-Reed. Next, we have Vice Chair Wallace. Thank you, Chair. I just had a comment. I actually went in um, this afternoon and bought a lotto ticket, and um, I bought some high-end uh, salami and cheese, 
And I noticed that the selection is very much reflective, um, kind of bougie of the neighborhood, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and I think that, um, you know, a locked cabinet um, with the level of spirit you're offering is even higher than BevMo, which is down the road, and we don't have a problem with that. So, um, and then to the commenter's um, note about uh, the amount of hard liquor that's available in the neighborhood, uh, I also live in the neighborhood, and I and I do um, encounter uh, some nuisances from time to time. But I think overall, um, actually giving people the option to drink at home instead of going out and carousing in our neighborhood is actually going to help um, reduce the amount of nuisances that we might have to deal with. So um, I also will support the motion. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, seeing no other speakers, I concur with the comments made by the commissioners here today. Thank you very much for your diligence, and thank you for coming out and speaking tonight. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Jean? Commissioner Chase? Aye. Commissioner Lamas? Aye. Commissioner Buckley? Aye. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Masius Reed? Aye. Commissioner Young is absent. Commissioner Boyd is absent. Commissioner Andrade? Aye. Commissioner Thompson? Aye. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you to staff as well. We'll now move on to, uh, excuse me, item number three. This is Stone Beatland Planned Unit Development P21-042. Commissioners, any disclosures or recusals to report? Vice Chair Wallace. I had a meeting with the applicant representative consistent with items in the staff report. Thank you. Commissioner Macias Reed. Same. Thank you. Commissioner Che Zhang. <laughs> yes, I also had a phone call with the applicant and the items discussed were uh, consistent with the staff report. Thank you very much. Commissioner Lamas. Oh, you Commissioner Chase. Duplicating that, right? Thank you. Um, thank you. I also had a, a phone call with the uh, uh, applicant's representative uh, consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Commissioner Lamas. Also had a phone conversation with the applicant's representative, and uh, discussion was consistent with the staff report. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. Commissioner Boyd, was that? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I also had a conversation with the applicant, uh, consistent with the application. Thank you, Commissioner Andrade. Um, I also had a Zoom meeting with the uh, representative of the applicant, applicant, consistent with the staff report. So we can now move on to staff presentation. Angel, whenever you're ready. Testing, okay, great. Can hear you. <clears throat> Good evening, commissioners. Um, this evening I prepared a short presentation. Um, I will highlight uh, at a high level uh, the requested entitlements uh, as well as the illustration of the project vision and some of the goals. And thereafter the applicant is gonna give their presentation. So uh, with that, I'll start. Um, once again, good evening, commissioners and Chair uh, Hernandez. My name is Angel Anguiano. I'm an associate planner with the Community Development Department, and I am the project planner for agenda item number three. Uh, so on this slide, we'll start off with the project's location. Um, Stone Beatland is located in South Sacramento, uh, and it's comprised of several parcels, um, totaling approximately 140 acres. Uh, the project area is generally located 
uh, at the northeast of the Cons of Consumers River Boulevard and the future 24th Street intersection. Uh, the project is bounded by the Detroit Boulevard neighborhood and Southgate to the north, as well as the city's 102-acre site. Um, Delta Shores plan unit development, which is generally located onto the east, uh, excuse me, onto the west and south, and the Morrison Creek uh, light rail station uh, to the east of the project, which is in uh, green. Um, I'd just like to highlight that's a, a, an important consideration of the project. Uh, its proximity to the light rail station put an important uh, component for the overall vision and design of the street network and, this, and the lock configurations. Um, uh, the project is within a half a mile uh, within, uh, within the uh, Morrison Creek Light Rail Station, and it's considered a transit priority project. Um, so before you today, uh, here's a long list of requested entitlements uh, before you. And today, the Planning Commission will be forwarding a recommendation to City Council on these uh, entitlements. Uh, I'll just quickly read them, read them off. It's, it's a Sustainable Communities Environmental Assessment and Mitigation Monitoring Plan, a development agreement, a general plan amendment, a rezone, uh, the, Stone Beelan, the creation of the Stone Beelan Plan Unit Development and Schematic Plan, a Bicycle Master Plan uh, Amendment, a Master Tentative Parcel Map, a Tentative Subdivision Map with Design Deviations, and Site Plan Design Review of the Map uh, with Design Deviation, excuse me, Site Plan Design Review of the Map, a Tree Permit, and a Water Supply Assessment. <clears throat> so what is a Transit Priority Project? So Stone Beelan is considered a TPP, uh, which is a new type of project uh, created by Senate Bill uh, 375. As a TPP, uh, the project is required to incorporate and comply with uh, the following criteria, that at least 50% of the site must be designated for residential uses, uh, be consistent with uh, the designation, density, building intensity, and applicable policies of the regional uh, sustainable community strategy. Uh, third bullet point is it must be located within a half a mile of a transit corridor included in the regional transportation plan and no more than 100 units farther away than half a mile. And overall, it must achieve throughout the entire project a minimum of 20 dwelling units per net acres. So this exhibit um, pretty much outlines the, the boundaries of, those, uh, of that. <clears throat> so in pink, the closest to the RT stop is within a quarter mile of the, uh, of the regional uh, station. And orange is about half a mile, and uh, after the orange is in yellow is, the half, is beyond half a mile. So at that point, that's where the density is capped at 100 dwelling units. Um, this slide is an exhibit of the PUD. Uh, so this is essentially um, is the vision of the planned unit development. Um, the PUD design establishes four uh, villages, is what we're calling them. Um, they're highlighted in, in red text. Uh, the West Village, uh, the Central Village, the North Village, and the Transit Village. Um, the, the design is further divided into key sub-areas, uh, LDR1, LDR2, and LDR3, which are low density to residential, um, medium density to residential one and two, which are in the middle in the Central Village, and high density, dense, uh, high density residential one, two, and three, uh, which are in brown, closest to the light rail station, and CMU, which is the commercial mixed use, uh, which is also located in the uh, transit village. Um, 
as it's noted in the land use summary, um, there is a density range uh, that's envisioned in this area, as we discussed. And as the project is developed from west to east, the density increases um, significantly towards the transit village, and that's where you'd see the highest number of residential units. Oh, and one other thing I'd like to highlight. Um, the West Village and North Village, you'll note that they're, in, they're the, located within the low density residential, and that, those are, that's where you're gonna find this, the single unit dwelling designs. Uh, in the North Village, uh, we received public comment that you know, they want you know, a nice transition from the low rise, you know, single store, single unit dwellings, uh, and as you move into the development, they wanna continue to see that sort of vision um, there. Um, so this exhibit here is the proposed site plan. Um, this yeah, illustrates how the lock configurations are being proposed today. Um, in yellow, and in, in, in the West Village, Central Village, and the North Village, uh, we are anticipating single unit dwellings there with perhaps some duplexes and uh, triplexes. Um, and in the high density residential, the Transit Village, um, we will have staff will review those projects when they when they're submitted, and we'll have a better understanding of what's going to be proposed there. Um, and lastly, this is the mobility framework exhibit. Uh, the applicant will go into greater detail as to you know some of the design here, but uh, some items that I'd like to highlight for you are the um, the road network. Uh, there's going to be controlled traffic, uh, two signals on future 24th Street intersection and A Street, which perhaps I can slide here. So, these mics work. Yeah. Uh, this is known as A Street here. Um, this, signal, this will be signalized. This is future 24th Street. Uh, both will be signalized. This is CRB signalized, and then also, as you're leaving it out of the transit village, um, you, this will be signalized. In orange, that's envisioned as a, a uh, HOA maintained trail. Uh, that will be approximately 10 feet. And then bordering the entire project is gonna be a, a 16 foot multi-use trail, uh, which essentially will connect uh, residents going from Delta Shores, you know, who are wanting to connect to the light rail station, um, will provide a, you know, a 16 foot path um, there. And then also to the uh, regional-wide trail system that the project is amending to and adding to. And then as you're leaving the, or as you're, yeah, as you're leaving the Detroit neighborhood and Southgate neighborhood and going to the regional transit, uh, there's gonna be a 16-foot path of travel also. Um, so with that, uh, just would like to mention that the project was routed uh, to surrounding neighborhoods and community groups, including the Detroit Community Association, uh, Deerfield Mesa Grande Neighborhood Association, uh, Pocket Greenhaven Community Association, Preservation Sacramento, uh, Sacramento Area Bicycle Advocates, Sacramento Housing Alliance and Civic Thread. And uh, as a writing of the staff report, staff did not receive any letters of opposition for the project. Um, uh, Staff also send out public hearing notices prior to today, and staff also did not receive any letters of opposition um, or concern, uh, but I did receive um, 
correspondence from nearby uh, residents who generally wanted to know more about the project um, and are interested to know about what's going to be eventually built there and when construction is going to begin. And uh, one uh, resident um, expressed interest and wanted to learn more about the improvements that were going to be required for the project, which staff responded to. Um, so with that, um, oh, one other item. Um, uh, there is a purple sheet prepared today, uh, which includes a development agreement. Um, hopefully you have time to review that. Um, also, uh, the city prepared and circulated a sustainable community environmental assessment uh, for the project. Um, the comments received have been reviewed and would, uh, would not change the analysis or conclusions of the environmental document. Um, several mitigation measures from the, MT the MTP, SES, EIR were inadvertently applied uh, to the project and that will be corrected prior to City Council. Uh, so the staff is recommending approval and, uh, this evening and, and request that the Planning and Design Commission approve the project this evening and forward a recommendation of approval to the City Council this evening. Uh, that concludes my presentation. Uh, staff is available to answer any questions and uh, next up I'll give it to the applicant. Thank you. Thank you very much, Angel. Um, before we bring up Nick, I just want to note that we also have staff available from Public Works. And they are online, so if we have questions for either staff here or questions for Public Works later on, um, they are also available. Um, Nick, whenever you're ready, please um, come and join us down here. Good evening, Chair. Members of the Planning Commission, Nick Abdus with the Law Offices of Abdus and Cushy. Uh, really happy to be before you today here on the Stone Beetland Project and uh, Taylor Builders. Uh, I'm really excited about this project for many reasons. Um, I think a testament to the work that we've done is in the fact that we haven't received any letters of opposition in a project of this scale. Um, that is really noteworthy. So with that, I have a little uh, presentation, nothing major, just to provide some color. Um, here's a list of our project team. Uh, very much extensive experience in the region. Uh, Taylor Builders, uh, the developer of Park Bridge, uh, many of you may know in the South Potomac neighborhood. Uh, join me, uh, joining me today is Andrew Mayer, our planner, uh, Sarah Ellis, our architect, and Kate Hart here is uh, on behalf of Taylor Builders. Uh, this slide is intended to illustrate uh, how we approached this project and, and what we did in phases. I mean, really, um, this project was unique in many ways, not least of which because we designed it around an existing light rail stop um, and a project of this size uh, proposed next to an existing uh, light rail stop is really unheard of and it's really unique in terms of um, the size of this transit priority project in the region and the unique opportunities it presents, obviously. And so the, the way we approached this project really was um, we knew that there, there was going to be a lot of interest uh, from the community uh, building on outreach efforts by the city in the Meadowview area. We determined that our first phase of the project was really not to show a project and get feedback, but really conduct extensive outreach uh, to the community and really then design the project around a lot of the comments that we would receive. So we had uh, done some significant outreach uh, prior to our initial uh, planning application submittal. Uh, that included an extensive survey, and we received over, um, you know, 100, uh, 100 app, uh, responses, of which I'll get into in a bit. But um, in any event, um, I think it's important to note a little bit of the context. It's, uh, this, this plan area is um, currently in the existing general plan. Um, you know, we are requesting a general plan amendment, but that re is really to move things around 
one of the big uh, comments we, we got is we wanted, uh, folks wanted um, the future residences, uh, residents uh, to be part of the existing community. And really um, the cornerstone of that would be the fact that our students would be, the students generated from this area would go to the existing Susan B. Anthony Elementary School located in the Detroit neighborhood in the existing general plan and prior iterations of the project before um, Taylor Builders, there was envisioned a separate um, uh, K through six school on the site. So uh, that and moving some uh, land uses around necessitate the need for obviously the general plan amendment. So this timeline gives you a little bit of a sense of the life uh, of, this, of this property. It's been considered for development for some time. I'm not gonna go through all this, but just kind of illustrates, it's got a long history. You know, again, uh, talked about the importance of community uh, feedback on this project. Um, you know, key priorities that were identified really were, uh, among other things, not enough trails, uh, not enough parks or green space in the servicing the existing community, which if you've been out there, you understand, and it's, it's not a surprise. Uh, also important to folks was the opportunity to have more single family homes as move up housing as well as, you know, senior housing and, and affordable and mixed use options given the, the transit stop. And uh, again, not surprising uh, given its location of Detroit neighborhood and Ma Deerfield Mesa Grande, it really is a food desert there. And one of the concerns we heard over and over was uh, a grocery store. And so uh, we have identified our commercial mixed use site as a potential um, site for a grocery store. Um, we are actively seeking somebody, um, you know, uh, a service provider. Uh, to date, we don't have one yet, but that is our, our goal for that site. Uh, again, some of the key planning concepts that really drove the design of the project, you know, really took density and embraced it. Um, and really, um, you know, the housing diversity component of it, as we heard from neighbors, but also from a general good planning perspective. Uh, connectivity and uh, convenient access for both uh, from the north, from the south, and, and from the west. Um, and then community cohesion. Obviously, we wanted uh, a plan area that would be embracing of the entire community and creating opportunities for individuals to develop relationships with other members of their community. And that, that means a lot of opportunities for people to take strolls, uh, take advantage of the open space amenities, trails, and otherwise. Um, again, um, some considerations that went into the street planning and bicycle and pedestrian network, obviously building on a lot of the comments we received. I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more, but um, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, north, north to south and east to west, we have extensive um, bike and pedestrian uh, trail connectivity. So this shows you a little bit about the layout. I think you saw it in this in uh, Angel's presentation. You know, um, each of our uh, parks and open space amenities are within a quarter mile of every single residence uh, proposed in the community, which is um, pretty astonishing in my opinion. Um, I think I credit certainly our, our planner, Andrea, is very, very awesome. Um, so th these, um, uh, this slide illustrates uh, the, the trail connections obviously to the parks uh, and the, what I mentioned in terms of north and south and east and west. And um, really, that's the extent of it. I mean, we're really pleased to be before you today. This is really a big deal. I mean, um, the projects that you get to see sometimes are, um, 
uh, don't take full advantage, I think, of the opportunities that are presented in terms of where they're located. And, and um, you know, this certainly uh, rises to a different level, in my opinion. I'm, I'm proud to be part of this project, and I'm excited about the possibilities, and I'm anxious to put a shovel in the ground. So I appreciate the time today, and um, the team is here. We're ready to answer any questions you might have, but um, thanks again for your time. Thank you very much for the presentation. Uh, we will now move on to commissioner questions. Commissioners, do you have any questions for staff here online or questions for the applicant? No questions? Commissioner Caden. Thank you, and yeah, just a question for the applicant. On um, So I, I was gonna ask a question about the commercial mixed use site, and you sort of answered part of it by saying you're seeking a commercial tenant, likely a, a, a grocery store. The the tape, like the, the land use breakdowns that have the units in the uh, staff report don't have any units associated to the, the CMU designation. I'm wondering if there's any flexibility in the entitlement that you're seeking to allow for some housing components, even if it's uh, with a commercial uh, tenant like the grocery store? Yeah, that, thanks for that um, question. This is something we grappled with early on. I mean, it was important for us to have a commercial mixed use uh, opportunity in the plan area. It was hard to assume what could go there. So we didn't want to assign phantom units to a, a, a parcel designation. We think it's an opportunity site and, and don't believe um, you know, there are limits to what we could propose there. Obviously, you know, what gets proposed there will, get, will need to be evaluated to be consistent with the, the plan and the, um, the, the approvals, but you know, certainly our expectation is to be flexible enough to accommodate a type of uh, project that you're envisioning. So housing isn't ruled out, and it just would need to be adhered to the, the max FAR of two, I guess, for that yeah. site. Got it. Correct. Um, and then I was also wondering, so it, one of the um, design guidelines that were included was to encourage builders to design some lots to accommodate ADUs where feasible. Curious if, you're, um, if that's something that you're thinking about as a part of new construction, if that's sort of like a later down the line type of thing. Um, what were your thoughts on ADUs? Yeah, um, certainly, I think ADUs are great. Uh, they present, obviously, opportunities to deliver housing units in, um, in areas where maybe uh, there weren't opportunities maximized. So we didn't want to preclude it, obviously, but I'll tell you the size. This is a pretty dense project, and if you look at the tentative map, I think opportunities for ADUs are pretty small. <laughs> you know, but we didn't want to take a position that, you know, they're outright prohibited, but... I would say by the nature of the design of the homes that are envisioned uh, there, I, I think ADUs are just, it's gonna be hard to shoehorn an ADU in, the, in a particular um, designation. However, you know, things may change in the future and um, didn't wanna preclude that possibility, so. So, so none as a part of the, the construction initially, but flexibility down the line. Certainly. Got it, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Commissioner Lamas. Thank you, Chair. Um, I did have uh, two questions um, for the applicant. Um, first, in terms of the affordable housing component, um, I know that there is a threshold of 10% um, to qualify for an exemption. Uh, this development went up to 20%, so it exceeded the minimum, um, which is good to hear. Um, 
I am curious um, a, if you can talk a little bit more about what that affordable housing component looks like. Um, I believe I saw that there is, uh, they, they will be deed restricted in an agreement with SHRA, um, but is it targeted to a specific um, population? Uh, are, you, are you aware of the area median income levels that um, are gonna be associated to those? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, thanks for that question, Commissioner Lamas. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, one thing in my presentation I probably didn't play up enough really is, you know, amongst the various benefits of this project, um, certainly the affordable housing component was an important piece of, of the project, and it was that from the outset. Uh, our affordable housing component was not something that we thought about. After the fact, it's something we wanted to design the project around, really, and uh, we located on, on, the, uh, on the map, you'll see HDR2, it has been designated as the, the affordable site, and by affordable we mean you know, deed-restricted affordable. We anticipate it to be affordable to at least 80% of AMI, 60 to 88% of AMI. Um, we have that um, obligation in our development agreement. Uh, we plan on delivering uh, those units uh, concurrently with the development of the transit village. And um, did that answer your question? Yes. And then the second um, part of my question had to do with the, the flood zone. And so um, I know that it, it is in a flood zone, and I believe the city, or S-A-F-C-A? SAFCA. SAFCA is uh, working on upgrading um, the efforts to uh, meet a higher threshold of protection. Um, I believe this site um, assist in meeting some of those thresholds, but do you know, do you have any idea or any information about, um, you know, how, how this helps with those thresholds and, um, like, how, how at risk is this uh, development in terms of flooding? Well, um, uh, Commissioner Lamas, I know you, I think you live in North Natomas or Natomas. Uh, I'm a third generation Natoman and we know a lot about the flood issues faced out there. Uh, actually have the unique benefit to be able to speak uh, from the vantage point of being a board member of the Sacramento Flood Control Agency, though I'm not speaking in that capacity here. I will say that I do have some, you know, obviously knowledge about flood issues. And I'll say uh, relative to, there's a couple things to keep in mind. Unlike Natomas, um, we're not, this project area is not within the FEMA 100 year floodplain. So that, that is not an issue. However, you know, the city at large is required under uh, California law, Senate Bill 2, uh, excuse me, Senate Bill 5, uh, regarding urban levy uh, uh, level of protection. And so because this is an urban area, the ULOP, as the acronym would go, applies, which means that there's certain requirements that uh, flood protection reach the state standard of 200 year uh, by 2025. And SAFCA is, is the local uh, agency in partnership with um, the state, state DWR and the Army Corps of Engineers to make improvements uh, along various areas, uh, improvements will be made along Morrison Creek, uh, as well as uh, along the Sacramento River, among other places. And so relative to this project, uh, like I said, not within the 100-year floodplain, uh, it is required, uh, the city is required to make SB five findings which have been made relative to the overall 200 year level of protection. This project by itself is not making any of those improvements uh, and it's not triggering any of those. I think that is an independent obligation on, on the part of the city and obviously the Joint Powers Authority that's part of SAFCA to, to meet that levy uh, improvement standard. So I don't wanna speak on behalf of DOU, maybe DOU is on the line and probably could 
add some color to that, but hopefully that answers your question. Okay, so then, and it does, and thank you for that. And, and it sounds like these, these parks, which are also acting as retention basins, are just added features uh, of protection for the development, but not necessarily a requirement or part of the overall plan to increase the protection. Yeah, the detention basins, um, there are other laws that require, obviously, that uh, water, um, you know, your pre-project uh, drainage flows off the property uh, do not ex exceed post-project. So the detention basins help with that. That's outside of the flood protection aspect. And obviously there are water quality requirements from drainage, you know, treatment of, of stormwater runoff. And the, um, these basins are intended to serve that purpose as well, as well as we take the advantage of uh, uh, using these areas as amenities, uh, open space and trail amenities, so. Perfect, thank you for that. Um, with that, those, that ends my questions. I did have two comments um, if I can quickly make. Um, I did acknowledge that there was a lot of outreach um, to the neighborhoods as part of this um, development. Um, I did uh, read that there was also some comments from the Active Transportation Commission and they were looking, they were proposing to include a bike trail that connects north to south. Um, but I believe in the slide we saw that there is a like a master trail, like a multi-use trail. Does that um, kind of satisfy the, the, the request to have a bike space that connects north to south? Yeah, along 24th, we have that trail connection that you're talking about on the west side of the project. As well, we have the 50-foot corridor across the north part of the project. Within that 50-foot section is a 16-foot paved uh, trail. Okay. So there are, yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm glad to hear that those comments were acknowledged and there were some, they were incorporated into the development. I also know there were some comments from the neighborhood group um, in the north requesting the potential for a park. And I do see that there was a park included right um, in between the existing neighborhood and this new development. So it sounds like those address, those concerns were also addressed, which uh, I'm glad to see that there was uh, an opportunity to, to work together with them. Yeah, if I might get, add some perspective to that. If you look at the date of that comment letter, it's in early 2022. And that comment letter was uh, directed towards a prior iteration of the project. And certainly uh, the latest iteration does take into account, obviously, the issues raised um, by the Detroit neighborhood. Perfect. Well, thank you for that additional context. Appreciate it. I uh, yield my time. Thank you, Commissioner Lamas. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, my questions build off of uh, Commissioner Lamas's um, questions around affordability. Um, you mentioned that uh, I was targeted towards uh, 60 to 80 percent of AMI. Um, is that in the development agreement? Uh, that, n no, but in order to qualify for the tax credits that are going to be needed to uh, bring those projects to fruition, to actually get them built, you know, that's really the range uh, that makes, that's feasible, uh, meaning the money that's available for tax credits at that affordability level. Going to deeper affordability is really, really hard because of the subsidy, the additional subsidy that's needed, as you probably know, uh, affordable housing uh, because you're restricting the amount of rents. Um, you know, there's a funding gap between what what uh, projects, you know, to facilitate affordable housing to folks in those income levels can be versus, you know, what the ultimate cost of the project is. And that, you know, the, that is called your, fun, your, your funding gap. And that is met a variety of ways. 
the biggest of which is, you know, tax credits. And so there's a lot of factors that, you know, obviously drive the financing of affordable housing, but that's, that's the reason that that income level is what's targeted. And that actually might answer my second question. Um, I was wondering, uh, I couldn't see it specifically in here um, in the staff report, and thank you for the presentations from staff and from you. Um, is there a contemplation of what the mix of rental versus ownership might be for affordable, or is it all targeted towards rental since you're seeking tax credit? Yeah, happy to dive into this a little bit. Um, relative to um, the ownership versus rental question, I mean, we, you know, I get this a lot as well in one of my other hats that I wear. I serve on the Capital Area Development Authority, CADA, that, and again, not speaking as a just point of fact, dealing with affordable housing and, um, and subsidies and, you know, different types of mixes of, you know, again, pretty extensive experience relative to that point. But, you know, um, it really comes back to that, that gap, you know, and doing the most good with what you can, uh, with what you have. And ownership units, uh, the... The subsidy is so deep that in order to make it feasible, you're providing less for sale opportunities. And there are a lot of complexities to doing that. So really where you're gonna get, in essence, the most bang for your buck, we, you, we, as a society, is doing um, uh, deed restricted affordable for rent. And so th that is what we determined was the most appropriate use here. So 100% of the affordable units are uh, deed restricted for rent units. Thank you, that answers my questions. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Buckley. Seeing no additional questions from commissioners, going once, going twice, we'll move on to the public comment period. Clerk, do we have any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Uh, we'll close the pub public comment period and bring the discussion back to the dais. Commissioners, um, do you have any additional questions, further comments? Now would also be the time to make a motion. Commissioner Messias-Reed. Uh, thank you, staff. Thank you, Nick, for the presentation. Um, again, really excited to have uh, more affordable housing and more housing altogether come into the city. Um, I think this is a great project, and again, you utilize the space really well. Um, it's, again, uh, you know, piggybacking off of what uh, Commissioner uh, Lamas said, I think it's really important to obviously do the community outreach, the extensive outreach that you did. Um, I think that we see better projects overall in the city when you do that type of engagement with that depth of engagement, um, and so I really appreciate that. Um, and with that, I would like to make a motion to approve uh, staff's recommendation. Thank you very much. Next, we have Commissioner Caden. Thank you, Chair. And I'd, I'd like to second, but I just also wanted to acknowledge and thank the, the applicant and, and the city. Um, it's a very arcane piece of uh, CEQA law, but this CEQA streamlining that's applied through the SCEA, through SB 375, is really unique and, and I think a strength of the city the city of Sacramento really makes use of this and it's really helpful for projects. And I just wanted to also thank the applicant for, um, instead of sort of like developing the project and thinking, oh, maybe this, maybe that sequence streamlining can apply. The project is really created and oriented around that sequence streamlining product in a really productive way. And so I think you did a really fantastic job. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Caden. Commissioner Buckley. Thank you, Chair. Um, I also wanted to, uh, 
give some praise uh, to to the applicant and um, to the team um, on city staff. Um, I one of my first stops in Sacramento was in the Detroit neighborhood, and um, it's always astonished me how cut off that community is from the rest of the city. And so I think with this plan and with this further development, it'll, there'll be some more connectivity. There'll be some more resources for that community. I've, and I've always wanted to see that. So really appreciate that. And I just wanted to, you're right, you should have lifted up um, the affordable housing uh, work that you did in, in this development because um, you know 20% is great. Um, the number of units in there um, is wonderful. I think this area was identified as one of the places in the old mixed use development. Um, as a, a new growth area that would have seen a mandate for um, inclusionary. Um, and it's great to see um, not just sort of the, the fees paid, but to see the actual um, developments built because, you know, we always forget the inclusionary part of inclusionary. And as new um, developments get built out, we want to make sure that there are opportunities for um, low-income families um, to live in those communities and bear the fruit and um, enjoy the fruit of, of um of the new development. So just wanted to express my appreciation. And I, I don't think you have a second yet, so I'll second. Hayden second, I believe. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry. Beat you to it. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear that. We'll take a third. We'll take a third. Thank you, Commissioner Thank you, Buckley. Um, I see no further comments from commissioners here. We have a motion and a second. Also want to extend my appreciation to staff and all the hard work and the applicant for bringing forward this project. Uh, so with that, clerk, will you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Zhang. Commissioner Chase? Aye. Commissioner Lamas? Aye. Commissioner Buckley? Aye. Commissioner Caden? Aye. Commissioner Macias-Reed? Aye. Commissioner Young is absent. Commissioner Boyd is absent. Commissioner Andrade? Aye. Commissioner Thompson? Aye. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. And Chair Hernandez? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you guys very much, thank you. So those are our two items for the public hearing calendar. We'll now move on to commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. I'll take the liberty to go first and say, first of all, um, Nora Cosgrove, happy birthday. Stacia's daughter, today is her birthday, so I just want to know she can't wait to get out of the meeting and go be with her family, and we hope that, um, that you enjoy your evening tonight. Also want to wish um, an early happy birthday to Vice Chair Wallace, who will be having a birthday this weekend. So congratulations to you, too. I hope you're doing something very exciting. <laughs> and also, I would like to call upon the new commissioners to introduce themselves. Um, welcome, uh, Commissioner Ginger Thompson and Commissioner Julian Andrade. Um, please uh, introduce yourselves. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better. I'll go first, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm Julian Andrade. Um, I was born and raised, and I'm a proud Sacramentan through and through, huge Kings fan. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to serve on the commission with you all, and I look forward to helping make a safe and sustainable Sacramento for the future. Oh, my turn. Yeah. Uh, do, do I need the microphone on? <laughs> yeah. Please. Because I have a loud voice. I have a soccer mom voice. Um, <laughs> Ginger Thompson, I am equally thrilled to be here. I love, I took the uh, Academy for Planning, the Planning Academy with Maya where I first met her. This was almost 10 years ago. And getting to be here with her at the same time is like full circle. So that part is 
secret thrilling. Um, I do get to know Mr. Bob Chase as a, as a mentor. I'm an architect, um, and it's my second career, so it was a hard-earned place to be. And before that, I have always been a Sacramentan and am obsessed with this city. So getting to be on this end and hear how these projects move forward outside of like what we experience in the office and then what we experience as just citizens is exhilarating to be a part of making the city better. Well, welcome, congratulations, and we're so happy you're here. Commission, we'll now go on to Com Commissioner Chase. Your microphone is on. Is it on? Yes, um, thank you. Um, I'd like to ask uh, Commissioner Andrade, could you tell us about your background? Sure, I've been an architect in Sacramento for over 20 years now. Um, I did a few years in Southern California and realized that uh, I wanted to raise my daughter here in Sacramento, so we moved back, I think, in 2016. And uh, we've been here ever since, and we're not going anywhere anytime soon. So. And are you involved in the AIA? I am. I'm also on the board of directors for the AIA. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. Commissioners, any other comments or ideas? Hearing and seeing none, we'll move on to public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you very much. Well, then we will adjourn this meeting. Uh, this meeting stands adjourned at 6.33 p.m. <laughs>